The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come to you and say, Give this person your place. And then in disgrace you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, And you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Let us pray. Our good and gracious God, on this beautiful day, we come into the sanctuary where you remind us uh, how we are to live as a Christian community. Lord, it's easy to get into the ruts of the sameness in our relationships, uh, that we, we go to the same old friends who are dear and near to us, we're comfortable with them, and yet at times you challenge us to move into outer circles where we have never been before, inviting people who have perhaps a handicaps or who are disabled in some way, who are battling cancer and who are not feeling well and yet they need to know they're loved and included. Help us, Lord, to be mindful of the others that often are forgotten and put them at the head of our guest list as you would have us do, Lord. And we want to follow your example and uh, let the humble be exalted indeed. In your name we pray. Amen. We had a fantastic lunch meeting this week at the Boot Restaurant downtown in Ambler. There was barely a moment of silence among us. Two energetic women joined me, development staffers from Martin Luther King's Martin Luther Silver Springs School in Plymouth Meeting, just right down there close to us. They were treating me uh, to lunch. Of course, I realize there are no such things as free lunches, uh, but it was really great to, to get better acquainted. Um, of course, you know, Martin Luther Spring School is part of our Lutheran charities, and many of us have uh, maybe been on campus. I know Sarah right here used to be on staff there before she moved over to Carson Valley to the older teenagers. But it works with uh, teens at risk. Martin Luther is the younger set of teenagers, and it's really quite serious for chronically... Um, uh, bothered teens who have uh, it's sort of the last resort before they would go to a psychiatric ward and so um, it's very very serious and wonderfully uh, run and a gift to the teenagers and they do rely of course on our 
uh, Lutheran Charities appeals for funding. So first they asked me, um, how would you describe your congregation, Diane? We're not real familiar with, with Upper Dublin. And I thought, whew, how do I describe Upper Dublin in a few words? This vibrant community, which um, I think is um, exceptional in so many ways. I wonder what you would say, how you would describe our congregation in a paragraph or so. Well, here's what I did say. I said, so I would say we play well together. We have fun. You know, we have a lot of spiritual retreats. And there's God on Tap downtown here, terrific coffee hours after worship, three different types of worship each Sunday. Our laypersons are very involved in leading the worship, and our teenagers also are invited to do so. All ages have creative Christian education opportunities, which apply biblical truth to the modern world's troubles. Then we have a diverse banquet of social ministry, social justice projects in which to participate from Ambler to Philadelphia to Tanzania. We're growing larger in a time when many are not, and we are growing younger without, uh, without leaving out our seasoned members, of course. What my lunch partners really hoped to hear, however, was my last line that described us, and we have a lot of generous givers. Suddenly, I caught myself saying, my goodness, you're bragging on Upper Dublin quite a bit. And I remembered Jesus' warning, which I had already read the gospel for this week. All who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Thankfully, we had sat in a booth together. There was no head table where I could have bolted to the front seat and embarrassed myself totally. But my witness really of, you know, listing our wonderfulness was to lay the foundation for them of why a new partnership was very, very possible and we would love to share our blessings to meet their institutional and relational needs. Sadly, my friends, you know, we do live in an age of shrinking congregational involvement. Many in our synod are closing churches. Maybe you've been part of one that's closed recently. They're shrinking in attendance. Maybe the average now in our synod is 40 people a week. These church families survive. Uh, survival mentality can cause them to become insular and contentious at times. And their struggles are not conducive to feeling spiritual health and to reaching out and new mission uh, conquests for Jesus. But the scripture from Hebrews this morning sheds light on what it is that buttresses a healthy congregation's life together. And you can gauge how we measure up. First, a verbal footnote. Have you ever had one of those weeks where you're reading something and you discover a new author that just goes, wow, that's great. Where has his man been or woman been? Maybe it's a novel you're reading or something. Well, for me, it's theological uh, readings. And this man I discovered, never having heard of him, his name is, uniquely, Gray Temple. And I kept calling him Temple Gray, Gray Temple. In my sermon, I had to be careful. And I Googled him because I thought, who is this man? I've never heard of him. And, and he's a retired Episcopal priest. Um, and so I was saying this outside today, and didn't we have an Episcopalian priest visiting us who's on sabbatical outdoors? And he goes, Pastor, I know uh, Gray Temple. 
And uh, he's a great man. I've been to his workshop. So that was like, whoo, that was too weird. But anyway, there I said, I'm glad I quoted from him then, since he's Episcopalian and you're here. He's our neighbor right down the street. Um, but there are three parts um, that I want to talk about in Hebrews, and uh, Gray Temple has been an inspiration. There is the part about worship, and the part about fellowship, and the part about ministry. First, the author of Hebrews puts our worship practices at the top of the list of healthy churches. Father Temple says this, and I love this, you, you come to resemble what you admire. You come to resemble what you admire. People who admire money get green and crinkly. People who admire computers grow user-unfriendly. People who admire youth get juvenile. People who actively and deliberately admire Jesus Christ come to resemble him as he actually was and remains today, unchanged from age to age, generous, merry, tender, fierce, courageous, somewhat mischievous, fully open to others. Real worship is the engine of personal transformation, and congregations that craft their worship out of love for our Lord more than out of love of respectability as well are on their way to kingdom vitality. The goal of Christian discipleship is to become more and more like Christ, the one whom we love and should grow to resemble. I think Martin Luther says it this way, we should become little Christs in the world. And worship is the foundation for our entire partnership with God in this world. We need to be involved regularly. But here you are. So I'm preaching to the choir. B, secondly... Father Temple pointed out that the huge benefit of Christian fellowship, or as Hebrews puts it, let mutual love continue, is uh, very, very essential. Another eloquent insight Temple gives on the value of getting to know one another is this. Souls that emerge from a worship service in which people actively admire and praise our Lord are in a somewhat fluid and molten state. The issue then is, how will my molten soul set up? Will I rush back to my normal routine to be shaped again by the world's mold? Far better to gaze around the coffee hour, for eyes equally ablaze and forge relationships with them letting myself in transformation be shaped in our mutual discovery of Jesus' high adventure. Now that is a mouthful. But I loved it. Rather than go home when you felt kind of a, a marvelous kind of growing inside of you, something tickled you, moved you, excited you, rather than just walk out the door and go right back into the routine, go to coffee hour and find, I love this, find someone else whose gaze is electrified because of their own excitement at worship, and get together with them to go on Jesus' high adventure. I love it. I love it. Warning, however, Mr. Temple continues, fellowship that does not grow out of spirited worship 
uh, and points into courageous ministry becomes instead boozy, gossipy, and as the passage warns, potentially adulterous. Clicks in a congregation are fine, provided they are nexuses of positive energy, but disconnected from worship or ministry, they are a circle of wagons on the congregation's prairie. A circle of wagons on the congregation's prairie. If you are in a clique that doesn't eventuate into ministry and outreach. And finally, point number three, our coffee hour conversations, our laughter and deeper understanding, what we have after women's retreats, men's retreat, God on tap, church picnics, it's all meant to lead us together to the third point of Hebrews, ministry and outreach. And indeed, I have to say, what a week for this sermon topic. It's been an extraordinary time of spontaneous ministry, and here are a few examples. It's Christian fellowship growing into ministry. A, a phone call came in Wednesday uh, morning from a member who was recovering from hip surgery himself. Unexpectedly, his caregiver wife had gone to the doctor's appointment for her her, um, heart, and they said she needed immediately to go to Abington Hospital for observation. He couldn't drive her, and he had no one at home, so he called the office. Hello, could someone please take her to the doctor? Enter Jody, en route to the office, who asked, well, I'll do it, after she was, somebody said, could somebody drive her to to the hospital? And Jody said, well, why not me? So she quickly said, yes, much to the amazement of our administrator, Teresa, who is not a member of our church, and she exclaimed in awe, What a church. I mean, how rare to find people who just drop what they're doing quickly and go about caring for somebody else. It's amazing. B, I was heading home at 5 o'clock this week, around Wednesday, when I go up through the cemetery, and I noticed that the the guests from Hospitality Interfaith were beginning to arrive, and there was Tim Joyce sitting against the wall outside on a folding chair, waiting for each of the guests from Interfaith to arrive for shelter in our church this month. He wanted to know that they were accounted for. Now, he is busy, busy, busy with a new home, kids to chauffeur and to work, uh, go to his own job. Still, he personally counts those little chicks and makes sure every day they are all in their temporary shelter and accounted for before he heads home to dinner. And third comes our dear Carol, coffee hour coordinator, the one who's shriveling up in the back row right now. She's also a preacher at Chosen 300, a great phone friend to lonely shut-ins and newly bereaved. And long after everyone else has fled our final coffee hour and the last donut hole has been consumed, I often find her still here, graciously, sitting on that conversation bench back there, listening to someone, consoling someone who is in need. What a church. My friends, may our worship and our fellowship combined 
grow into that electrifying glaze as we look around in coffee hour and find another heart that is on fire to go out on Jesus' high adventure together. Yes, indeed, into the selfless ministry that is so needed in our world as we follow Jesus, whom we actively will resemble because we admire him so much. Blessings on your journey, and God be with you. Amen.